Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Tusk, where the world is going to shit, so we're kicking back and enjoying the show. Marquis, how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, Tusk. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Thank you for being on here with me again. And, well, it's been quite a week, once again. In the United States, there's never a boring moment anymore. And... Not surprisingly, today we are primarily going to be focusing on, y'all already know, the almost literal elephant in the room. Donald Trump officially announced his campaign for 2024. He announced it on Tuesday, only a week after the disappointing midterm elections. Marquis, what are your thoughts on that? Right. So when you take a look at Trump's speech, I think we can both agree that it was qualitatively different than most of what he's done before. It was a much more somber speech. He might have been trying to go for the presidential vibe. He might have been trying to tone down some of his fiery rhetoric that got him so much flack in the past. But the question is, is he really trying to tone it down or... Has Trump just lost something over the past few years? Think about it. The man's been in the public arena every day, basically, since 2015. It's We're going into 2023. And he, in that time period, has become possibly the most hated man in recent history. That's got to take it out of a person. So I'm wondering if... His speech and how lackluster it was the other night was emblematic that the man is in decline and he's lost something. What do you think? That's definitely a possibility. I mean, the dude's 76 years old. He's obviously going to lose a bit of that fire in him over time. But whether or not he's necessarily on the decline... I'm not sure I would jump to that just yet, but, I mean, who knows? Like you said, it's been going on eight years now that he has been in the spotlight facing all sorts of good and bad feedback. Obviously, eventually, that would take its toll on damn near anyone. But at the same time, he's never been one to back down from negative feedback i mean he's he's been taking it and he takes jabs back all the time i don't know if he would really try to cower away from that or cave into it now i do think that well i mean that plays into both possibilities that we're looking at would he really see right now as the time to take it easy and try to appeal to more people I mean, that's not something that I would take Trump to do, but I also don't think that he would start giving in to the pressure now, so to speak. So, if he is, say, trying to clean up his act and come off as more appealing, I would think that that would be more of a strategic move rather than him just wanting to make people happier. So... Honestly, I'm I'm a bit lost on this one. Right. So, 
at the beginning of a campaign, that's probably the place you're going to start if you're really changing tone. This is the beginning of a new era for Trump. He's coming off two years in the political wilderness. He's been out of the White House. He's been off of Twitter. He's been just communicating in these really brief messages that get filtered out through social media. He's not talking to many people except on like infrequent radio interviews. He's out there and he doesn't have his megaphone. He's holding some rallies, but the man has been isolated. This is a time where he might be looking at, at a reboot, but at the same time, he's been doing the same routine, so to speak, the same rhetoric, the same fire, the same talking points for this long, but all of a sudden it's just changing. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. It makes me wonder that if something broke when he was in the wilderness for two years, because in that time period, like, like I said, he hasn't had a way to blow off steam really, but all all of his previous travails, he's been able to go to Twitter. He's been able to hold a press conference. He's been able to go to rallies all the time, but he hasn't been able to do all that lately. And I'm worried that something might have been lost in there and running a candidate that might have just lost the magic, so to speak. I'm not convinced is a very good idea. Right. Yeah, I'll come out right out the gate and say this at the forefront. If he runs against Ron DeSantis in the primaries, I will be voting for Ron DeSantis. But I think everybody knows this show well enough to know what I'm going to say next. If it comes down to Donald Trump versus Sniffy the Clown in the general elections, my vote goes to Trump, 100%. We cannot risk another four years of a senile pile of dog shit, really. I, I can't even come up with anything else to say about him. With his cackling whore at his left side. No. Like, my vote will be going to Trump easily. I'm not sure who said it recently. A lot of Republicans have been coming out against Trump lately. So I'm not even sure who said this one, but someone said that virtually anyone can beat Biden as long as their last name isn't Trump. So that's the one thing that I'm worried about getting typecast into as a party. Yes. So, yeah, Trump has so much baggage. He's been on the trail nonstop for so long. He has one presidency under his belt. He's been in public politics. If we're not talking about like period 2015 onwards for decades so trump has a lot of time to accumulate some stuff and now he's got new stuff there's obviously the lingering thing, uh, specter of that whole russia stuff mostly fabricated mostly bullshit but people will still talk about it if they want to bash trump there are still allegations of sexual harassment a lot of them spurious some of them possibly true then there's all kinds of new stuff that have arisen really recently. Now there's a special counsel appointed to look into Trump. Now there's that he's also saying he won't, won't like cooperate with. There's the January 6th mass loitering at the Capitol. 
that uh, people are still up in arms about. Out there are these other lawsuits going on in like the state of New York. Trump just has so much baggage. And this is really something that might turn off the moderates. Trump turning off the moderates is a constant theme of his campaigns. And it's a trap that Republicans really don't need to be walking into again, coming into another election. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I'll definitely be voting for DeSantis in the primaries if he runs. If DeSantis doesn't run, well, who else will possibly run? What Republican? Uh, potentially Mike Pence. That's all I can really think of off the top of my head. Maybe Marco Rubio again. Maybe Ted Cruz again. I don't know. I'm holding out for Liz Cheney running <laughs> under the military-industrial complex party. <laughs> Her only platform is to do exactly what Rothbard said sarcastically and invade the world. Liz Cheney, 2024, invade the world. Remember at her defeat speech for, was it the House of Representatives race in Wyoming and somebody beat her? Yes. Yeah, right. And she said, Abraham Lincoln was defeated in this so-and-so election and then he won the presidency and. People are like, ma'am, you are not Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I mean, Marquis, I, I know you're not a fan of Abraham Lincoln, but it, that, that's still true. At least Abraham Lincoln was an outstanding speaker. And he was, he was. And he was charismatic. Abraham Lincoln is a very likable person, even for people who have very serious disagreements with him on policy, such as I do. But Liz Cheney is an inside-the-beltway D.C. bureaucrat snake who is slithering into the pockets of these big think tanks that are always supporting war and all the military-industrial complex companies that are profiting off of it. She is not some rail-splitting, uh, from-the-backwoods lawyer that Lincoln was. Not even close. It's insane to class her with Lincoln. It's insane yeah. to even have those two in the same sentence. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, we, we we don't talk about Liz Cheney. She was incumbent, right? She was the incumbent representative? Definitely. Yeah, she was an incumbent who lost by, I believe, a landslide, wasn't it? Well, nobody likes Liz Cheney anymore. It, well, yeah, exactly. So, but anyway, uh, back on the topic of the 2024 presidential race, I'd like our listeners to remember DeSantis has not announced a campaign for 2024 yet. He hasn't even spoken about the possibility of him running for president. However, if we take a look back at electionbettingodds.com, where we got our odds for the, uh, 2022 midterms DeSantis is at the top of the list for who is most likely to win 2024 DeSantis at 30.1% Donald Trump at 18.1% and he is 0.1% ahead of Joe Biden at 18% for 2024 
that's really surprising that the people who actually bet on this stuff are putting their money that the outcome of the general election is going to be DeSantis right now. That's uh, very interesting to me. What say you? It is interesting. I mean, you have the incumbent president who most of the time wins a second term at third place. And with the former president who just lost his chance for a second term in 2020 in second place, and then in first place who hasn't even announced any real intention of running for president, it is purely off of, well, his fans and how many people want him to run. They have him at a very distant first place, at a 12% difference between him and second place. Now, of course, it is funny to talk about this considering how wrong this website was about the midterms. But then again, everybody was wrong about the midterms. So, I do hope that DeSantis wins the primaries. Because I think that Sniffy would not stand a chance against him. That's why, I mean, it's like we say all the time. I think Trump would beat Biden at this point, but I also think he is the only one that could lose. So, this, right. I, I don't want to make too many bold predictions about 2024 because I was I was pretty positive it was going to be a red wave for the midterms so now this kind of has me on the edge of my seat not wanting to take many chances right 2024 is so far away that it just doesn't make any sense to really talk about it yet we don't know who's running i assume someone is going to try to contest biden for the democrats even i don't like that i don't expect that to go anywhere but i think that'll probably happen and the republican field will definitely populate with a lot of dudes who are going to try to wrest it from trump probably unsuccessfully right now i'm marginally thinking that trump is going to win the primaries just because of the absolute steamroller effect he has on conservative opposition think about it he hasn't faced a real conservative challenger since 2015 in the primaries it's been that long he's just steamrolled everyone up until now so i don't know if what we were saying earlier about him losing the magic is true or anything but if it's if we're wrong about that and he's just toning it down then we can still expect that trump is probably going to have that steamroller effect maybe not as pronounced but still be able to just run roughshod over Republican competition. And I'm basically predicting that that's what's going to happen right now. But obviously, there's so much that hasn't happened yet. So much is going to happen before we can really make any decent predictions. But that's just the first shot in the dark that I'll offer. Right, because remember what we said earlier, Trump also has a lot of baggage. He... In the 2022 midterms, even though despite Biden's immense unpopularity, people weren't voting for him or necessarily even his party. A lot of the reason why the Republicans were so disappointing is because people 
just didn't like the candidates. Mehmet Oz, he's not a great candidate. Herschel Walker, even though he still has a chance, not a great candidate. So I do think that some people might be willing to turn on Trump. As we're seeing a lot in D.C., a lot of Republicans are turning against him. So I do think that, yeah, my guess is still going to be that Trump wins the primaries. I do think DeSantis has a chance. Maybe no other Republicans, but I think Ron could definitely put up a fight. I think that's definitely a fair prediction. It, it's coming down to Trump and DeSantis in this very early, like, pre-campaign season. We've only got Trump out of the gate right now. And uh, obviously more are coming. But even in the lead up to this, at, like, big conventions and seminars where you have a bunch of activists and uh, Republican Party apparatchiks everywhere, when they've conducted straw polls to see who they want to run in 2020... It's always between DeSantis and Trump. Only far down the list you have other lesser-known entities that people, for some reason, want to run for president, like uh, Christy Nome and uh, Marco Rubio and some others like that. I, I even see Pompeo's name floated a few times. I don't know why. Thankfully, I'm not seeing uh, Liz Cheney and the military-industrial complex party, but... Uh, I'm sure that's coming. Maybe even uh, Jeb Bush. What do you think, Jeb Bush? <laughs> sure. Jeb 2024. I mean, I'd probably take him over Liz Cheney. That's a hard sell. You drive a hard bargain. But if it keeps Liz Cheney more than 500 yards from White House grounds, it'll work. Yep. So... Trump's 2024 campaign, where do we see that he's changing from his last two campaigns? Because 2016 Trump, 2020 Trump, and 2024 Trump, we can already see these are all three very different entities. Where do Absolutely. You think, where do you think he's sort of going? What direction do you think he's been going for the past six, seven years? Right. I had a 2016 Trump, that vintage Trump that we all knew, know and love, or at least the original Trump supporters did. Like, I was entirely on board with Trump in 2016. I mean, but that back then, he didn't have to play defensive hardly ever. That's what people remember him so much for. He was always going on the offense, always taking on this, always taking on that. Because back then, he was the non-politician. He didn't have to defend his reputation. He didn't have to stand up for this policy that he did or that policy. He didn't have to talk about his tax cuts or his COVID policy. All that was still in the future. In 2020, that's not true anymore, obviously. Now, he's a one-term president looking for re-election so now he's got to defend his record obviously his first four years as president so that really took a lot of wind out of his offensive sales so to speak now he's got to talk about what he's done right and he can't spend as much time talking about what other people are doing wrong 
Now, the phenomenon is even more so because now after his presidency, he's got a bunch of legal trouble out of New York State. He's got the special counsel that he's not cooperating with. And he's got the January 6th mass loitering riot, whatever you want to call it. I don't really care. But that thing right there, people don't like that. I don't like it either, but I think it might be a little bit overblown. Definitely. But Trump is now going to have to defend against all of that. That's a lot of defensive plays. And if you look at his first opening speech, he was talking about defense and talking about his administration quite a lot. So he's going to probably be pivoting away from the offensive Trump of the very early on that we all know and love. So maybe that'll help him strategically because a lot of people, especially moderates, don't like someone who's always going on the offensive. But at the same time, Biden is a very target-rich environment for talking about like what's wrong with his administration, what he's been doing wrong, and quite frankly, just blatant corruption. There's a lot of things to talk about. And Trump, now that he's going to have to play a catch-20, or catch-21, I should say, of defending his own reputation and his own record, he's not going to be able to talk about how Biden is failing as much. And that's definitely something to be concerned about. Yeah. He has a penchant for being overly defensive, and that's going to only continue now. Yeah, definitely. He's, I mean, the 2024 election, if it comes down to Trump and Biden, it's going to be a bit of a shit show. Even, even though the last two elections, people have argued that it's like that Ace Ventura with the spears in the leg meme pointing at each knee going, ah, 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 like picking the lesser of two evils. When it comes to 2024, even Trump supporters and whatever five or six Biden supporters are left, they're still going to be thinking, holy shit, this is my candidate. I mean, I'm still going to vote for him, but holy fucking shit. I mean, Trump's got all the legal issues, obviously, and Biden's, well, all the corruption and the senile shit and the failure in every single possible aspect of your presidency. No matter what, I think it's going to be a huge blowout for both of them. You've got so much shit to attack, but you've also got so much shit that can be attacked. It's going to be like having these two uh, characters fighting each other with a strength of 10 and a health of 1, if that makes sense. Right. And Trump will be able to do a lot more attacking now because as of 29 minutes ago in the New York Times headline, Elon Musk reinstates Trump's Twitter account. Mr. Musk, who had run a poll on Twitter about whether to bring back the former president to service, said the people have spoken. So Donald Trump now has his Twitter account back, apparently. Oh, God. So, yeah. It's just like 2016 all over again. Whether or not he'll use this, I, I assume he will, but... Uh, it's unspoken. This just 
started just a few minutes ago. I just noticed this just now. This is insane. Trump is back on Twitter. The environment <laughs> is healing. Trump has returned to Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's good for the whole free speech narrative, but what does this mean for Trump? Because as we all know, Trump has a habit of shooting himself in his own, well, face, really, with Twitter. I mean, I still hold it firmly. If Trump had just stayed the fuck off Twitter, he would have won both 2016 and 2020 by a landslide. Right, that's definitely possible. He, like we were saying earlier, is a very offensively minded person by nature, even if he has to moderate that now, just because he has so much to defend now. But Twitter is his megaphone. That's how he gets his message out for the most part. That's how he's been running his operation for a really long time. And, well, now he can go back to his old tricks. Yeah, like you said, the only question is how he's going to use it and uh, if he's going to shoot himself in the foot with it. A definite possibility. Yeah, let's just hope that he's kind of wisened up and he uses this to his advantage and not to sabotage himself. Indeed. So, Republicans have officially taken over the House of Representatives by another slim margin, unfortunately. But it looks like they could be taking another uh, three or four, potentially. So we'll see how that turns out. But apparently, the Republicans have already launched investigations on Biden. Um, to no surprise, I have had a bit of trouble finding enough information about this on the internet. I take it the big tech corporations have been trying to keep it very hush-hush. Uh, have you been able to find anything on it, Marquis? Uh, I have not right now. Oh, but this is definitely going to be a good thing for the Republicans. We've broken the complete monopoly on power that the Democrats have been holding with a both houses of Congress and the presidency in their control. Like Tusk said, there are now 218 seats in Republican hands with a net gain of eight for the Republicans and a few still up in the air that haven't been decided yet. So the GOP might increase their majority just a little bit. But again, it's been kind of a disappointing red wave, not the red wave we were looking for. This kind of thing is definitely going to be a stumbling block for Biden for the rest of his administration. He won't be able to ram through legislation anymore, which is definitely good considering Biden's penchant for multi-trillion dollar stimulus packages and uh, other things and the like the Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't actually reduce inflation, but according to Penn Wharton School of Business Model, actually increases inflation. See what he did there? Awesome little inversion. So if we can keep Biden's hands off the purse, so to speak, we'll be good off. We'll be doing good. And taking the House, even by a slim margin, even by a whisker, 
that's a step in the right direction. And if we can investigate Biden and uh, take a look at some of the possibly corrupt business dealings he's got going on, he, like you said, the investigation is alleging wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, among other things. That's a, a bonus, but of course, I don't expect the investigations to really turn up much or turn up much that's actionable, I should say, because of what I like to call on this show politicians' privilege. The big guys at the top and the little guys at the bottom have different justice systems, and the big guys at the top almost always get away with it, especially if they're powerful politicians and especially if they have a D beside their name. That's true. Uh, it doesn't look like the Republicans will give up very easily, though. I'm reading on PBS.org uh, as of about uh, an hour or so ago. It says, House GOP pushes forward with Hunter Biden probe despite thin majority. I think that Biden's presidency has, in a sense, woken up quite a few of the, well what's left of the righteous people in the D.C. area. Or at least just Republicans who thankfully happen to be against Biden. Enemy of my enemy is my friend, so to speak. And I think that they've been hit with this brick wall, basically going, oh shit, maybe this is about time we stop just rolling over and going with the punches, and we should actually do something about this because these people are going to ruin everything that America stands for. Maybe we should actually grow some fucking balls and do something about it now. And I think with Nancy Pelosi gone, thank fuck, it'll be a lot easier. Right. Corruption is definitely a big issue in the Beltway. You've got like uh, journalists like Peter Schweitzer who are writing and doing podcasts about all that. There's so much material that Schweitzer just has his own podcast about corruption. And I just listened to one of the episodes the other day. Amazing show and all that. But yeah, if we can just take the tiniest bite out of that, uh, it's a step in the right direction. But when you get right down to it, the state will always be corrupt there's no way to get around it when you have an organization that's devoted to plundering the entire population of a country which is what a state is using political power to wrench from people the products of their own labor and then distribute them as they see fit according to their own politics and prejudices you're going to get graft you're going to get fraud you're going to get the same sort of corruption that affects all states. The United States is no different in that. We are not held aloft. We're not aloof from all the corruption that plagues the world. Because you have a democracy does not shield your country from having graft in the civil service industry, nor from having just systemic looting. The fact that we have trillions of dollars in taxes taken from us a year certainly shows that we're not immune from being looted by our government. But 
far be it from me to balk at outing some criminality in Washington. But we just can't get too ahead of ourselves at, or campaign that we're going to really drain the swamp like uh, Trump thought he was going to do in 2016. There's no draining the swamp in D.C. because that's what Washington is and that's what the state itself will always be. It will always be a swamp. It is intrinsically a swamp and there's no way to drain it unless you abolish it. That's true. No one wants to abolish the state, though. Yeah, that probably wouldn't be such a problem if people weren't so blinded to it. People want to give DC more fucking power. DC, when you think about it, all these people thinking, oh, fuck these corrupt businesses. We need the state to hold these big businesses accountable. Bitch, the state is the biggest company there is. You really think that these people who together are accountable for trillions of dollars, I mean, what's what's the yearly national budget? U.S. federal spending actual $6.1 trillion. U.S. federal budget deficit actual $1.12 trillion. Right. God, I love the state. The but, state that steals $6 trillion from the economy every year. The state only has the power that we give to it, so everything it has belongs to us originally. Yeah, but, ah, God, I love the state that steals $6 trillion from us. Yeah, but these companies are too greedy but we can trust these kind-hearted good samaritan generous dc politicians to do what's right for us and to protect us from these evil business owners as if they themselves are not business leeches fucking hell the government not gonna lie dog i've never been held up by amazon but the government holds me up every year and steals a lot of my money. Yeah. They steal my money every time I go out to pump gas or have wings at the local restaurant. What is, what is, uh, I remember the gas tax rate, something like 75% of the gas price is taxes. The gas price is definitely higher than it should be because the state taxes the production of gas at quite a lot of different levels it definitely is higher than needs to be yeah so what i'm seeing is it's not quite 75 percent but in alabama it's 28 cents a gallon for gas for <laughs> hell for diesel tax it's 29 cents in your home state of illinois it is 39 cents a gallon in Louisiana it's 20 cents a gallon Massachusetts 24 cents a gallon uh, New Mexico 17 cents only 17 cents New Mexico damn 38 cents in Ohio holy shit in Texas it's 20 cents a gallon that's fucking so yeah I, I was way off with the 75 percent I thought I had heard that somewhere, but it was bullshit. But yeah, it, it's ridiculous. 
The real bullshit I see is that my state has the second highest gas tax in the country, only behind California as of Big surprise. June of this year, which is a very cool J.B. Pritzker. Very cool. Fuck a little J. round Pritzker. of applause. Sad song on the world's smallest violin. Oh my god. <laughs> that that sounds a bit like some music they would play while J.B. Pritzker gives his inauguration. Sounds about right to me. Oh yeah, isn't I, he I running for president say. in 2024? He's got my vote. Say less. He already messed up this state. Let's see if we can export his talents to the rest of the country. <laughs> yeah, maybe his state won't seem like such a shithole if every other state is just as bad by comparison. Maybe he'll rip the toilets out of the White House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can fit him through the door. Uh, it's amazing. Yes, Reminds it me of how in Nancy Pelosi's district, yes, we're back on that. The $1.7 million toilet. <laughs> you know what? Uh, let's, let's make an agreement to talk about that million-dollar toilet every single episode until somebody else takes her place as representative. Because she just won re-election in that district. Let's do it until... No, no, no. Let's talk about it until the day that district elects a Republican representative i'm not sure they're ever going to elect one exactly so we're going to keep giving them shit for it until it's over giving them shit we're gonna... not like they're giving the toilet shit because yeah. everyone in san francisco doesn't use the toilet they use the, the sidewalk yeah so we're gonna be 90 years old on this fucking podcast i love this show yeah me too in fact, you know what? Fuck it. I will not shut up until you all elect me president. Vote for Tusk me. Tusk 2024. Me. Tusk 2024, bitches. But then again, 2068 is an election year. So, you know what? Fuck it. Let me get inaugurated January 20th, 2069. That too. Yep. I will not shut up until you vote for me. I'm going to start a live stream and I'm going to make it that. It's going to be a fucking... Uh, hell, it's probably never going to end. Y'all are going to be watching the live stream. Somebody's going to find my corpse while it's live streaming. Anyway, Groundbreaking. Yeah. Anyway, we're we're just we're just rambling at this point. Um, Marquis, any thoughts on anything else going on in the nation? Really, it all gets back to Trump right now. Yeah. Today, he gets his Twitter account back. Earlier this week, he's running for president, his third presidential campaign. And he's been the biggest and most polarizing political figure of our generation. So now Trump is just back. One week he was gone. Next week, he's just back. So... The whole nation's kind of in upheaval right now. Nobody's really sure what to do. Nobody's sure whether to back him or not. Some Republicans are coming out against him. Others are 
cautiously kind of backing him. Right. Not really sure if he's going to use Twitter yet and if he's going to shoot himself in the foot with it. There's just a lot of unknowns right now. There's a lot of lurking variables. We don't know how this is going to play out, but Trump, Trump, Trump everywhere. Now we're not going to be able to avoid hearing about him for the next two years. So uh, get ready for Trump derangement syndrome and uh, a lot of articles containing the name Trump in the headline. Right. Marquis, what do you think, like, say, 50 years from now, you know, Trump's long dead. What do you think his legacy is going to be? What do you think his, well, for example, what his memorial will look like? Do you think they'll have guards keeping people from pissing on it? Do you think there will be statues of him? How do you think he'll be remembered? That's a very tough question. A lot of it's going to depend on if he wins re-election, because if he does, then he's going to be the first president to do that since Grover Cleveland. Right. Someone who won election, took a hiatus, and now won it again. That's yeah. crazy. But if he doesn't win that, he won't get the luxury of just fading into oblivion like a lot of former politicians do. Now, if he loses two presidential elections at the top of the ticket in a row, he's going to be hated in Republican world, and he will not go down in our memory fondly at all. That's going to really blemish everything he's done and everything his movement did since, really, since it started. So it's really all coming down to this. He's put his legacy on the line for one last crack at the apple. If he wins, it's going to be the biggest comeback story that we, you've ever seen in American politics. If he loses, as I think is probable, then he will not be remembered fondly. Right. Either way, he'll go down in history as one of the most controversial figures ever. But it's pretty split, and that's, well, he'll be the most controversial president since Andrew Jackson, if not more. And, well, there's really no telling. I, I think he'll, I mean, he'll definitely have some kind of memorial. Every president, or at least every president that I'm aware of, does. But... You know, they'll, they'll almost certainly have to have some kind of guard on place. But, yeah, his... Yeah, I think that's fair. His re-election bid will definitely play a huge part in it. Who knows? I mean, at this point, everything's a shot in the dark. It really is. It's purely speculative talking about what this campaign's going to look like. And what the next two years are going to look like, let alone the presidency of a prospective next president. Right. It's all up in the air. It is. But thank you everyone for tuning in for this episode of Tusk. Hope you enjoyed it. We always enjoy making this shit for you. Anyways, we'll see you all next week. Thank you very much. God bless America.